Okay. All right, guys. So we are back. We took a quick little break. That was a, a while without having a bathroom break in two shots. Not that many shots for yeah. Most and they're people, two, but yeah, little one ounce shot of tequila. Right through, yeah, man. Damn. I know they're it's gonna be. Delicious. They're gonna be like, you're not supposed to have a metal, but I'm like, this is. I know. It's just, it's they're cool looking. They're just cool. It does change the character. It of does the taste tequila. different. We should do one, half one but later. I didn't, I didn't glass. mind it. I didn't mind it, but I do okay. taste. There's a difference. There's a difference. Metallic. Yeah. So we are back. You met Arthur. Yes. Through a, a personal ad. I did. You were at a really, as you were describing, you were at a really vulnerable low point. Mm-hmm. Even though you were high. I was high on drugs. But you were and mentally a low point. Yeah. And somewhat maybe lost. Is, it, is that a good word? Lost. Not really knowing I was lost. Just chasing the dragon. Um, and I had, you know, all along I'd lived this really great life with Matthew. And Joey and Jeff were just my little lights. And, you know, I was working at the bookstore and working at the old, old Poly Brewery in Upland. And that's where I used to hold the books open for Ray Bradbury. And I'd go get him his burger with relish and mustard on it and a Heineken light or just a Heineken. It's what he loved. And um, I used to dance on a dance show called Party Machine. And I was on there with um, D Nice. And actually, D Nice, that DJ D Nice posted him on Party Machine and could see me clearly in the background. I fell on the stage with Ella Cool J. Stepped on Big Teddy Kane's foot, Moni Love, on the, when she was pregnant with her first child. and I lived this great, amazing life. And when I got <clears throat> really uh, involved, I didn't realize how deep I was getting into drugs. I, it really, you know, they call it speed for a reason because mm. it's fast. Everything goes fast. In fact, from 25 till 30, I, it's just, it's like it was the same year. It's mm. that fast. Um, and so when I saw Arthur's ad, I put something really simple on a postcard, wearing my pajamas and my socks, running down my stairs, and I put it in the mailbox, outgoing mail, because I was tweaking, and I thought, poor guy. And I instantly was just like, you know, how dumb. That's so crazy. I'm going to do this because I'm alone. I'm bored. My boyfriend, boyfriend broke up with me. The one that actually I'm, you, you actually got on well with yeah. for the first time in your life. It wasn't perfect, but we were perfect. It was yeah. perfectly imperfect. Everyone has yeah. ups and downs we had, problems. Matt and, Matt and I had our flaws, but... It was I mean, healthy. Yeah. I think... I really think if I had stayed sober, we probably... Looking back, I probably would have... If I would have stayed sober <clears throat> and never partied as much as I did. I think Matt and I would have been like every other couple that got married, fell, fell in love, got married, had kids, got in a fight, got a divorce. You know, like wow. it would have been, you know, it would have maybe ended that way. Who knows? I'll never know. Um, but I do know that um, I wish that a lot of different things would have happened with, with Matthew and I. But um yeah, I went on with my life. I got the ticket information for my coworker. And then on November 11th, um, 1999, I got a blue envelope with a tiger drawn on it, real pretty Bengal tiger. And I thought, who the hell is this from? And I looked at state prison on, on the letter and I freaked out and I ran upstairs. You hadn't realized. 
I for, totally forgot about it. You know, it's crazy. You don't remember anything. You're just in a fog. Where is this from? Yeah. Oh, prison. Oh, oh shit, that guy. Yeah. So I read it and it ended up being this bright letter, live letter. It just it felt so alive. And so we just kept corresponding. I never signed my name on anything mm. with him. Did you use like a fake name or? Nope, I just put L. Mm. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm so glad you did that, Lisa. It shows me that you're smart. Shows me that you're, you know, that you've got a head. You're like, I'm not just going to tell you who I am. Right, you know? right. And that was a line, of course, and I'll tell you why later. But um, so I ended up developing a relationship with this person. We um, talked on the phone finally a year later, maybe eight months later. This is when I finally told him my name. But we had shared so many stories. It's, it's Letters are powerful. That's why letters are so much better than texting and emails. There's something very personal when you're holding a letter in your hand and you're seeing the writing from that person and they're expressing their feelings. Their handwriting. It's yeah. never misinterpreted like texts are and mm -hmm. email. You ever notice that? It's like, yeah. we shouldn't text. You're misinterpreting me. You don't even say that with letters. Letter, because your feelings really go to anything, the pen, to the paper. It's more... It's more it, it, you almost develop a personal bond or feeling with them when you're reading their, their yeah. letter. Yeah. Yeah. And so with everything with texting and email, it's a rush. And, um, we just ended up corresponding. He sent me half of his heart. Um, we just kept corresponding, sending each other pictures. Um, and then his family came to visit me at my job. Oh, while, and, were, while he was in there? Yeah, because they wanted to get a look. He asked them to come and look at me, and I was like, oh, my God. And, and how, it did was, that, how did that feel? Was that weird? I, I, read, I knew Arthur's dad before he even walked in the door. I saw him through the glass windows, and I ran to the kitchen. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys. They're all what? And I'm like, the guy I've been writing in prison, I know that his parents are here. The guy that's walking in looks just like him. And sure enough, they sat with me and I served them and they were like, you were just a gem. Oh my God, Lisa. And they were really, really sweet, you know? And so then I finally got the courage to go visit Arthur. And what's ironic enough is that one of my drug dealers had a, a uh, her boyfriend was in the same facility. And I didn't have a car at the time. My mine broke down or whatever. I was going through bullshit with my tags, whatever. I was on drugs, everything was, Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And maybe Cyrus broke it. Yeah, maybe Cyrus broke it. <laughs> so, I, you know, I went with her to the prison for the first time. Oh, my God. And that's where I saw, like, oh, okay. And she was like, I didn't know that she had brought drugs to the, to the facility, and she did. And she gave it to the porter and the porter. That porters, porters were always popular for taking shit back. It's just what they did. It's how to survive in there. Um, yeah, and I visited them for the first time. They made me change four times. Later on... Later on, I learned that the guards always pick on newbies, mm -hmm. and they pick on people that they know they're like. Let's say you're in, you're inside, and you're giving me problems all the time. They pick on your, your their girlfriend because or, they know they, they know you're doing something shady, but they can't catch you. So they're just gonna so make it difficult for your because they're obviously bringing you something. Like it, right. that's how it was. So once they realized I was visiting Arthur, they stopped picking on me because he wasn't doing anything in there. Um, yeah, we visited. We were so excited to see each other. Um, and, um, it was endless, endless 
feelings, the talking, the just uh, time just stood still. It was beautiful. I couldn't believe I was seeing this man. And, you know, I totally forgot about getting high. I was just like with him. And I was like, let's go on the patio. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to go out there. They just said the patio's open. Let's go out into the patio. No, no. And we went out there because I was wondering why all these women were wearing trench coats. And that's when I learned, oh, because we went out to the patio and everybody was having sex in the patio. It's the first time I've ever been to a prison, ever in my life. And these women would hold their jackets open while their men were doing their thing and lifting their leg up, balancing on one leg. No wonder he didn't want to be there. (laughs) And at first when you see something like that, you're very, very shocked. But then once you start visiting somebody who's incarcerated and you see it every weekend, you get desensitized from it really quick. It's kind of like when you first saw, you think about it, this is how the best I, I can describe it. When Braveheart first launched in 1995, it was the first film that actually showed graphic scenes of decapitations and amputations and full-on battle scenes that were horrific. And we were all shocked by it. Now you're watching things like The Walking Dead and it's like nothing seeing people. Saving Private Ryan used to be like a crazy thing. Yeah. Now it's meh. Now you're watching people eat human guts on television. We're desensitized. So that's what... That's what this became in the visiting room was like, oh, okay. okay. They would sneak into little back rooms and do it. I mean, visiting became, that's what visiting became. It was like, let's have sex, you know, and people would block for each other. And so that's what we did. Um, And, you know, we just developed this relationship. He made sure that I, I felt like I always wanted to see him. The LA Times stopped coming to my house too, by the way. It was really bizarre. They don't have no record of it going to my home. So it was very, very bizarre. Weird. So just kind of like a fate thing mm-hmm. without it being Now, at first, good. I thought it was a fate. At first, tell her I thought it was a fate for me to meet him. Yeah. Now I know that it was not. Hmm. I know... Some people are atheists and people are skeptical and all of that. I personally have been very gifted to have personal experiences with a higher being. That's I don't like to conform it to one religion. Um, I I am Christian, but it, and I and I love the story of Jesus Christ and I have been baptized and 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 I I love it. And but I also am also very aware of its flaws. Very aware of it. Very, very aware of the flaws of the stories of, of Jesus Christ and in that history. Okay. And, but for that's a whole other subject. I am perfectly aware of a higher power. I've had experiences. I know they're there. I've had, seen, felt it all. And now looking back, it took that higher power to bring this into my life to get me to stop using drugs and to clean up my shit Mm -hmm. because I was meant for something bigger. That's what it was going to take was this happening because nobody was coming for me. Nobody was coming to sober me up. Nobody was, I never got in problems. I never had had legal problems. I was, I was, but I was going down a slippery slope of addiction. So life stepped in. And so when I, I felt like, Arthur was my new project, mm-hmm. and I love this man. I'm falling in love with this man. So, and he, he was in there for a very serious thing. Yes. 
did you ever feel like uh, I don't want to say uh, like not ashamed or did you ever feel though like people would be like what the hell are you thinking that's I never I never thought that way um now again being being the outsider yeah because I was always defending him I was constantly, constantly defending him because here was this beautiful man that I thought was a beautiful man who... You saw something that no one else Just love-bombed the fuck out of me. Mm. And love-bombing is something very big and very, very normal for a narcissist to do. And in other words, I was falling in love with a broken human being. This man was broken. And I didn't see it that way. I saw myself as broken because of my drug use, because my relationship ending with Matthew, me. I mean, you had you had situation after situation. After yeah. Situation that was, and I thought I was the one that was broken. No. I, so I felt like I should be there for him. I was, it gave me a feeling of purpose. You and, think it was like a, like... No one was there for me, so if I'm right. there for him, then you know, right. that kind of thing. Because Matt gave up on me, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I was, I was lying to him constantly mm. towards the end um, because I was an addict. Mm. Um, and um, so my weekends got consumed, not only my weekends and holidays, because you can see them on Christmas, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, Labor Day, like... There was extra. There was five days extra out of the year that you could see your loved one that was incarcerated. Hmm. And one, finally, one visiting day, Arthur was like looking at me funny, and he ended up writing in a letter and he told me that I know you're on drugs, Lisa. I know you're taking drugs, and I was. I go, what are you talking about? You're you don't know what you're talking about. I have coffee in the morning. That's why my hands were shaking. He's like, Lisa. He says, all I know, I know I'm a drug addict from way back. He says, I, I've used every drug on the planet. I mean, Arthur's shot up. He's sniffed, smoked, shot, needle, everything. He's done it. He's done all the drugs in the world, right? <clears throat> he got his first taste of cocaine when he was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. But um, he was like, I know what a drug looks like in somebody. And he goes, and you are high. I know you're high. And I was like, whatever. <clears throat> he goes, I can't have it in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I have to focus on getting out. I can't have that. Um, so one day, and I'll be honest with you, I can't remember if it was before or after that letter where he got on his knee in front of everybody in the, in the visiting room and asked me to marry him. And I said, yes. Absolutely. And uh, we hugged, we kissed. And then a few weeks later, he says, I don't think we can do this. He made an invitation and then he made this cute little invitation that he made in one of the offices that he works there for the cops. He let him do it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cute. We were so happy. And then the following week, I get another letter that says, I can't do this. I can't. Just kidding. I can't marry you. Okay. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. You know, but... Now, mind you, these are letters going back and forth. Right. I'm cutting, like, making is them there, short. Is there, like, weeks at a time in between them, or is it days, or? few days. Okay. Some letters took a long time from his side, because he, my letters going to him would take longer, because they, the cops have to they're go through them. They're going through them, and yeah. They have yeah. to make sure they're, yeah. you know. 
that I'm not sending him codes. Yeah. <laughs> I buried the body. I yeah. buried the body. Yeah. No. Yeah. Jim is swimming with the fishes. Right. I mean, um, so you'd think people wouldn't do that, but I'm sure there's been a case where someone has said something they shouldn't. Oh yeah. Well, they also have letters too. you know, where there's, um, this invisible ink and, and, Oh, like spy ink. Yeah. yeah spy ink. Like mm-hmm. there'll be a letter on top of it with, Hey, how you doing? And underneath is like the invisible ink and they have to like dissect it. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So, um, Arthur was, telling me this and he says yeah you know i just got done watching a victoria's secrets model special on television and it th- you know he started thinking about all the opportunities of other women that are in the world you know and i'm like a victoria's secret model really you know um and then he was like i'm sorry i'm sorry I-. and this is a prelude of kind of like who wait, he is wait he said he can't marry you because he had watched a victoria's secret runway show mm-hmm and I'm guessing it was because you weren't a Victoria's Secret model? Because I'm not a Victoria's Secret model. Did he think he was going to get a Victoria's Secret model? Of course. Marry me, would he would lose that opportunity to be with other women. It wasn't just so much a Victoria's Secret model. It was being with a woman probably that was more his type physically. Yeah. You know? And so it's, so, so it's bizarre. So essentially someone who was inside of a jail prison yeah. thought that, that maybe he couldn't marry you because you were... I, weren't a, I wasn't a Victoria's Secret model. Okay. So he ended up saying, sorry, I didn't mean it, blah, 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 blah. We went through with the, the wedding. But you thought it. That, that's, that must have stuck with you. I hated Victoria's, I hate looking at Victoria's Secret models. I never wanted to see a Victoria's Secret model again. Yeah. I took it very personal. Yeah. So when anybody would talk to me about my weight or my size. It's like a trigger. It's, a, it's so bad. Now I'm better with it because I'm, I'm a lot, lot better healthy, healthy wise in my brain. There's something about turning 50 that's pretty amazing where you're just like, fuck off, yeah. you know? And so, but when I was younger, it was like, it defines me, you know? And I'm there at 29. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. I can't believe you're 29. Fuck off. Oh my God. <laughs> I've, I've been there since 22. <laughs> That's when I met you in your no twenty. Somewhere around I met there, you in your yeah. twenty. I mean, I've 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 been I've had that attitude for a while now. Fuck, it's crazy. Yeah. So, it's just like pay attention to your own belt and your own waistline, and pay attention to your brain because you know what? I can lose weight. You're always gonna have that brain. Yeah. Um. So, and that's that's why I'm really I'm really it's really hard for me to embrace these people that do gastric bypass. I get. I get the real, 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 real disturbingly bedridden, heavy people having to get it for medical reasons, but some people get it just because they want that way out. When it's like you're never that you can't put a you can't put a gastric bypass on your brain. Right. You need to fix whatever's making you do this. Sorry. This. Yeah. This is what's fucked up. Yeah. Um. So. So you did go through with the marriage. We did. I went to that prison. I told my mom. My mom was like, you're not doing it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she dropped me off at the train station. Did she think you were just bluffing or nuts? She or? didn't think it was. I don't think she thought it was real. Did she not really like process she thought, it? Like she, maybe she thought it was like a play day. Did she you, met Arthur. She met had Arthur. met Arthur once, and she, was, she ended up crying. She's like, why would you choose this life? But I think she met him after I married him because she didn't attend my wedding. Uh-uh. Do you get guests at your wedding in the prison? Hmm? Do you get guests at a wedding in prison? Yes. Arthur's parents went. Arthur's brothers went. You okay. get 10, 10 from the outside and 10 from the inside. 
So there I was in my wedding dress and my veil going to this prison and everybody looking at me. And there was other people getting married that day, November 24th, 2001. And I was dressed to the nines with my white looking like a little princess. And um, no, none of the other brides were. None of the other brides were dressed in traditional wedding, yeah. but I was. I've never heard of... See, I've I've seen like Orange is the New Black or things like that where they're in prison getting married mm. together. They're both in prison. But I've never actually heard or seen a story of someone who's... Yeah, the county clerk will come down. Interesting. That week, two weeks prior or something, I had went to... You have to go down to the county in Imperial County. And, and they're kind of like... Register. No, they don't say shit. They're just like... Because they're so used to it. They're just like, okay. This is the date. I so was, is it, it's common? It's very common. Is it really? Very 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 common and in fact it was i mean you'd see it every other month every other, every it other. just seems so it seems so not that there's anything <clears> wrong with <throat> one prison because there's there's a lot of them who who like you know you've been through tons and tons of things they've just been through tons and tons of things and yeah. just gone the wrong way and mind you one of these days you know when the time is right we'll do another where it's we'll, we'll I'll tell you a lot about prisons. In fact, anybody yeah. that's thinking of doing an actual movie or film or show yeah. or documentary, you know, please do not hesitate to reach I mean, out to it's, me because I will fucking educate weird, you. It's a weird subject for me. <laughs> the truth. On the one hand, for me, it's it's weird because I have on the <clears> one hand, I have family who is on the the law enforcement side. Yeah. And then on the other side, I have the, the part of me that... that recognizes that people are often you know a victim of their own circumstance now people they make, are they make their choices that and, and, and a but, lot of it's but, addiction but there's also problems mm-hmm. and things that i don't necessarily think they should be there for there's things yeah. there's things like weed and things like that that i don't that i'm like what, what are they in prison for yeah for the rest of their life for for that i'll be i'll be quick with this one so there's there was this um inmate um, Ivar, and he was a true psych- psycho, and he used to um, use a magic marker to paint his gray on his beard black. He would use a magic, and um, he's in prison for murder. Yeah, and he got parole, and he went to his wife's house, where she had her new husband, and he went there with, right when he got out. And he beat them both to a living pulp yeah, with right, yeah. a hammer in See, both hands. A hammer in both hands. That's what I don't get is but the then, people like that who get out. Because unfortunately we have a system that puts people like Ivar in the same category as some guy who got in a bar fight right. with you, kills you, and I, oh, okay. on accident, okay. defending himself. Right. It can't be necessarily proven. I'm going to get 25 years. We don't have a system that breaks that up. It's it, like being at the DMV. Nobody gives a fuck. It's not. Here's your, it's not here's consistent. your license. The system is It's not, a bowl of cherries. It's not consistent because there's people, you know, especially when they had that three strike law back in the day. Which you, is you, bullshit. You'd have small little amounts of weed and you, you three yeah. times and you're out kind of thing. I and, went to Sacramento and, to fight that shit. Oh, look, the, yeah. the people murdering people, I'm not really sympathetic. Yeah. Even, you know, it, I, I, I get that you had a rough yeah. life three, and all these things, yeah. but you also, I, I'm not as sympathetic to that. The people in there for like a gram of weed. Yeah. 
they just they did it three times yeah. or you know the poly class murder a few very, things were the were the were the were the, the uh, what was his name it's just very mismatched it feels like they're they, they let people out Not sometimes who, who who pete wilson Oh yeah. They, he was the one who ignited the three strikes law, and it was during a time when we were vulnerable. We were vulnerable because we, we learned about what happened to Polly yeah. Glass, would be raped and murdered and left to die. We learned about all these people, and we thought, how are they getting out and going back in? How not are good. they getting out and going no, back in? No, nobody's saying But it not was good. it was yeah. so flawed though, because now let's say I got in trouble because I was in a gang, and I and I and that's I get one strike because I did something violent. Mm-hmm. The second strike because they caught me with a, more than an ounce of fucking meth, and then the third time. Five years later, six years later, because I'm so broke, living on the streets, I'm starving, and I steal a, a loaf of bread. That's my third That's strike. That's your third. You're gone. Life. Like, you're fucking the, kidding the, me. The murder yeah. is different than the... Yeah, they wrote that law the way they treat people in prison. They, tr- they just, they just, just generalize it. And, they I, and just I get generalize that, it. That, that, right. that, that it's complicated, and it's not just as easy as that, but it sh- certainly should yeah. be a little <clears throat> more of a, of a frame <clears throat> comb to figure out who... Oh, yeah. Because you see people getting out... Who, you're like, what? Yeah. What are they getting out for? Like, what? That this is this was a horrible, horrible crime of you know they murdered someone brutally, planned it, all these things. They're getting parole. Yeah. And then you have people who sold a gram of weed, and they're still in there, and they're not getting out. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's not defending the crime. It's like okay, you shouldn't do it when it's illegal. But right. Sometimes it's like it seems like the the, the severity of the crime gets parole the, the more severe of a crime gets parole and then the ones who seem a little bit more like what like sometimes we're, we're all having right. edibles now right i know, <laughs> you know? And, and they're still have, in jail and then you have high profile so, cases high profile cases you're screwed yeah. you're, you're fucking screwed you want to make sure your shit is never on the news is never a charles manson someone, story someone take yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got you've got guys that are locked in prison because they had a friend, 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 friend who knew Charles Manson, and they think he was a. It's it's so. It's such a slippery slope that whole. It's it's a big bag of bullshit, and that's why you know this state is overpopulated, overregulated, and over. Yep, and it's the guards are just as good. not all guards. There's some really great guards that are really trying to do the nice thing, yeah. but the Green Wall is real. That is a real fucking thing yeah. i've seen it and i've also seen where their big ass motherfucking lunch boxes ain't being searched and i know that it's cell like, phones huh? go for a thousand bucks a pop if not more you know i mean come on man it's just it's I a think business the point of it is it's inconsistent mm-hmm. if it was just if, if, if anything if it was just more consistent especially across different states yeah some states are are, are it's it's so inconsistent yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. And the two, you know, they don't talk about it anymore. It's not newsworthy to talk about inmates that are being shipped to other states on our dime, on our tax dollars. Yeah. Because we're so overpopulated. Yeah. However, COVID has changed a lot of that. A yeah. lot of people are out, including Arthur. Arthur, of course, it wasn't released because of COVID. He was, he finally got parole because he, I'll never forget when he transitioned from maximum security mm-hmm. to a lower level facility in San Luis Obispo. That was a huge shock for him because he had been conditioned in maximum security, maximum security rules, laws, respect, politics. And it changed. In fact, a lot of inmates who get shipped to the San Luis Obispo facility, they end up. Um, Let me check one thing. Okay. 
That was my phone. Oh, that was your phone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. We can keep I'm going to put it on, on. No, no, don't worry about it. I okay. just, I thought it was something with the audio or something. Oh my God. It's a booty call. Ding. Later. It's not even 10 o'clock. <laughs> but, it's like, um. It's not even that late. It just, it's still getting dark so early. Oh, I know. It's like 6.30, 6.15. No, not a huge fan of that. Um, but, um, yeah, they purposely will beat somebody up so they can get out of that person. So, but that's 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 the facility that got uh, Arthur out mm-hmm. um, because he ended up becoming a gold coat and taking care of um, hospice and mentally ill in- inmates. Um, but anyway, he's he's still doing whatever he was doing. I have no idea. But when he was at level four, when after we got married, um, I. Uh, I remember we would always be doing it outside because we finally got people to block for us and we blocked for them and whatever, what have you. And I won't go into the major, major details of everything that happened with um, Arthur on the inside because that's a whole other story. Like just the fights and protection and the race wars and not race wars, but racial issues. And um, because I had a girlfriend who I ended up meeting with that had a black husband and, you know, us sitting at the same table and, the drama that would incur behind the walls later on. <clears throat> That's a whole other podcast. But um, I remember Arthur looking at me thinking, when am I going to get you pregnant? You know, <laughs> I was like, what? You know, so um, we were, we got married um, and uh, I hadn't used drugs in a long time. I quit because I was always paranoid of him finding out about, me using shit mind you I did do a bump that day we got married just because I was tired I had it it wasn't a lot and I was using less sparingly like I wasn't using as it much. was more under control it was it was, I was starting to wean mm-hmm. myself off but this one particular night man I just felt like I had got um yes I had gotten uh, my visits revoked because they caught Arthur and I in the closet we got we we snuck a porter let us in a closet to have nooky nooky, and um, we got caught. I got ninety days suspended mm-hmm, when the standard was six months. So everybody fucking hated us because they're like, "Why did you get such an easy?" You're an informant, you know. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's because we don't do anything. Yeah. Um. If that's the worst that you did, yeah. I mean, and so um, I went to go score an eight ball. Mm. And I bought an eight ball, pure glass. I looked at it. And I remember I looked at it. I pulled some out, put some on a tray, crushed it, lined it up perfectly, lined up a couple lines together. And I just stopped and I go, fuck, man, I haven't had my period. Oh. And it made me stop because I thought, you know, I've been clean already. God, I've been clean for so long now. I've been clean for like almost a year. I got suspended. Of course, I'm taking it out on this because I didn't want to eat. So I took, I should get an eight ball. I walked to the store, got first response, came back. The store was literally next door to where I lived. And um, I peed on it, put it down, turned on some music. And I was debating on doing this line. I said, I'm going to wait and see what that thing says. If that thing, thing says negative, forget it. You know, I'm going to fucking party. Right. Boop positive and um, I looked at my my eight ball I looked at my lines put them both down the toilet never looked back 
just flushed it away. Mm. So nervous. Two days later, Arthur called me and he's like, what's wrong? Nothing. No, there's something wrong with you. I'm okay. You're pregnant. <laughs> he just, he knew. And um, yep, I sure am. We're going to get in trouble. I'm going to go to jail. No, you're not. He, he was just over the moon. He was so happy that I was pregnant, you know. And so it turned into this beautiful thing. I would play a heartbeat for him over the phone. And I was so just over the moon myself and just so happy. And I ended up going back home to my mom's because um, it just was the right thing to do. Yeah. And um, um, I went through labor, 22 hours of labor Oof. with uh, my daughter that I didn't know was my daughter because I thought, you know, we both wanted to be surprised. And uh, there I was in labor, and this was a this was a this was a, a prelude of my 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 child who's like this to this day. If you move her when she's comfortable, mm -hmm. she will end you. So <laughs> when they showed my daughter on the monitor that I didn't know it was a girl, but in my heart I knew it was a girl. It was this image, and you could see her blinking, and she had her finger in her mouth. And I, all my fluid was gone because my water broke. And I was so tired. And you see her like this. And I go, look at her. Look at that baby. That baby is happy. Like she's like, does not want to come out. She's like that to this day. Hmm. Even when I would take, we'd go for long drives. She would not get out of the car seat. She'd cry getting out of the car seat. She'd cry getting, if you move her, she's just like, I'm happy right here with my book. And just, that's what she that's that's defines my daughter <laughs> so um she's very comfortable in her place um so arthur had transferred to the san luis obispo and i remember him just flipping out and, and i drove that way that was a three it's a, the distance from where i lived into where san luis obispo facility is and to where vegas is it's mm -hmm. the same distance it's three hours and 20 minutes nonstop. Oh, wow. And I did that every weekend. Did it ever get tiring? You just become like a truck driver. You're just immune to it. You become velocitized and used to it. And just you get used to the road and monkey. So this day she's, she um, is used to long, long drives that don't bother her at all. I like long drives, but it's, I wonder if. if, if I hate them. Did it ever I just feel. just used to it. It never felt like you just were getting sick of not bringing them home. Yes, it did. And that's, in 2009, he had gotten another denial. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, ugh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm gonna be 40. This is crazy. Life is passing me by. I will say, about three years prior to that, I had reunited with uh, Matthew, he came to visit me. It was so great seeing him again. I was 36, and um, we were playing. We were having dinner with his dad and and whatever, and we just rekindled. We just did what we did. We just made out, and it was beautiful, and it was amazing, and I was so happy. And I, that's when I got my first taste. I felt guilty, but I realized I missed that intimacy with a man. Because you can't have it. That's right. Yeah. I, I had gone years without any intimacy, and so... It was. It got you this this yeah. relationship. Sex, but it was an intimacy. It got you out of 
the drugs. It got you. It got you maybe. But it's still in its own. Each each relationship you had, except for Matthew at that point, had been it had some kind of toxicity to it. Yes. That you rationalized. Every time I defended and yeah. rationalized, and and um, you've been doing that since your your uncle. Yeah. You know. Yep. When you were saying that you you were trying to rationalize that even as a kid. Always, I am always trying to come to an understanding. Yeah. And I think that's why I am. I am an empath. Yeah. And narcissists love empaths. It's like a lion catching that fat ass zebra out on the African plane. Mm. It's just, that's, I am the zebra, you know, and the narcissist is the lion, you know, and, and, um, so yeah. Fast forward, man, I had also rekindled a relationship with my ex-boyfriend, Piggy. He came back into the picture. Mm. And the intimacy was there as well. And he was love-bombing me as well. And I was starting to question my relationship with my husband. And so I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is crazy. What was I thinking? Mm. I've been sober now for a very, very long time, so I was getting in the right way of my mind, you know. I had my daughter, and she's grown up, and she's fucking perfect, and I love her, and do I want her exposed to this more, you know? Come on, you know? Um, and so when Arthur got his denial, when got a, a, a parole denial, and I just I was like, this is never-ending, I need to go see the world. <laughs> I need to go see the city of my dreams. And New York was always my dream. And when I was, I'm not kidding, when I arrived in New York, I felt like I was at home. Mm. I was like, I'm home. And um, maybe my past life was there. I mean, I maneuvered around that city like I knew it. It's a grid, so it's easy to learn. But I mean, when you, you feel, say you certain, right. I just knew it was like natural. and It's a great city for... Especially at your where you were, mm-hmm. a little bit not lost, but a little bit kind of unsure, because it is so convenient to get around. Mm-hmm. You can literally walk. It's only fourteen point five miles long. Fourteen point two. Yeah, you can go anywhere. Yeah. If if you don't know where you, where you are, you can if, if as long as you know the street that your hotel's on, you can walk there, and you know it's not forty fourth West forty fourth, the Royalton Hotel. It's. The Royalton you know, is the best hotel, and if you're wanting to experience New York not as a tourist, go to the Royalton. Yeah, we've stayed there a few times. I love it there. It's it's such a that, that city is such um some of my favorite things to do there is just you know, just walk around. Yeah, just walk. Just walk everywhere. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and so when I came back, I kept trying to rekindle my my relationship or reheal the damage that I had done trying to leave. Uh, my husband, and um, he was already bitter. And so he had we weren't about all that. we weren't doing shenanigans anymore or anything. He dropped all that, and because we didn't want to do anything that was going to risk getting in trouble again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm also deciding to do my own thing, and he and I just kept fading and fading and fading. Mm-hmm. And I just really was, I was doing my own thing. I started dating cause I started rationalizing in my brain mm-hmm. that I'm not going to be with this man. Right. 
we're going to just be friends and I'm, I need to, this is not a realistic choice. I need to move on with my life. Um, and I was actually hurting myself. I was meeting with men and, um, having a lot of promiscuity, um, sex. And, uh, I was in my prime. I was 42, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44. I mean, for four, four and a half years, I was. Do you feel like it was, it was bottled up? I lack was, of intimacy and you boomerang the other oh way. Oh my God. And let me tell you something just between us. There was like, these guys were smoking hot. These, these <laughs> men, these guys were like, Hey, if you're going to do it, 25 year olds, may as well. 25 year old and a 41 year old woman. Can you just think about that for a second? <laughs> it was, I got addicted to it. And, um, a lot, you know, four of them were repeat my repeaters mm. and I loved it. I loved the empowerment and the energy of it. I love that they weren't abusing me. I love that I was calling the shots. I decided when they were going to come over. Did you feel a little bitter? Resentful? Towards? Towards Arthur? Yes. Yes. Because when he told me after I had our daughter and he kind of drew distant from me and he wrote it in a letter to me saying that my weight was the issue that he was having with me. And mind you, I just had our kid. Less than a year. Okay. Um, that he was still on that. <clears throat> yeah, it broke my heart, yeah. So he had written to you a second time, or multiple times. Yeah. That the reason he was distant from you after having a child with you. Yeah, that was that one letter. I cried for weeks. Because I, I always thought I was perfect in his eyes and his vision, because he made me feel that way. And then he just <laughs> turned it off. That's what he does. He flip, 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 flip. I'm thinking this one day, but I'm going to think this the next day. Thinking this, it's, it, it was a crazy train. Right. Um, so when I was looking really hot and, and feeling desirable and all of that, but I will say that I started trying to find love in other men too in my way. Like when I have sex, I have very romantic sex. Okay. It's not kinky. And it's also not vanilla. It's very intensely passionate is what I want to say. Okay. It's got to be intense and passionate. And, you know, but when they start getting too dirty or they want to go in the back door, that's when I say, mm, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's just, I like that good, hot, passionate, fiery, like I've been waiting for you all day sex or all my whole life sex. Um, and I only found that in younger men. And so I started dating fucking around with uh, younger guys yeah and it was a lot of fun I had a blast in fact one of them this is hilarious and I'm going to share this because it's a it's a good story it'll be brief um I had this futon in my living room my daughter was away for uh, a week at some it was either the science thing or she was with family anywho um <clears throat> One of the, one of my lovers, we broke my futon oh. and I panicked. How am I going to explain this? Oh my God, my kid's coming home in a couple of days. My best friend, Tommy, 
and Raul, rest in peace, Raul ended up texting me, hey, sport, I have the exact same bed. He took a picture of it, and I go, oh, my God, that's my futon. He goes, I never sleep on it. It's yours. Tom goes, yeah, I'll go over there and pick it up. They went over to the house, took it. Both the guys came in my place. I sat back and watched them remove the broken bed and put in the brand new one, untouched. Thanks, guys. You saved my ass. Yeah. Anytime. We got you, sister. We got you, sport. <laughs> and they left. And it was like nothing ever happened. So I was kind of living this double life. Right. Um, my daughter knew that I was doing up to some type of shenanigans. I mean, she knew. But she was just happy that, you know, she was at home, mom, daughter, blah, she blah, blah. Understood. She Her dad was never in the picture, you know. She kind of understood in a way, but she also didn't, wanted to always be with me. And we were, we were always together. Um, and then um, I also got involved with um, this very, very gorgeous half Japanese, half British bass player um, who had hair like John Taylor and a face like Elvis, you know, and, uh, and he knew it. And I really, I don't know why I just really got feelings for him. It was bizarre, but he was actually the first person that I ever dealt with, with impotency. And I thought it was me. And he said, the very first time I touched it, he said, it's not you. It's not you. It's me. You know, he had an, an accent. And I was like, what's going on here? You know? And I thought, oh, crap. That was the first time I ever had dealt. I've never had any man lose that. It was bizarre. Yeah. So, you know, you do. You take it personal. And I was so self-conscious of my figure, because this is before I, like, had my a tummy tuck after my daughter. You know, I, was like, right. I still had, I, you know, I thought, it's got to be me. Because I instantly started thinking it's, you know, my husband's right, I am fat, or, you know, all these things go in my head. You think it's me, it's me, it's me, I'm fat, I'm not perfect, I don't have that Victoria's Secret model, I, I don't look good, I'm not pretty enough, you know. But it it wasn't, guys don't fucking care. You're, they only care about, they got a fucking naked girl in their bedroom, yay, you know. <laughs> but at the time, <laughs> at the time, you you instantly think it's you, yeah. and, you know. Um. But I, I got too um, emotional with him. And uh, he, he actually let me know right then and there. It was, it was during a text. And I said, well, we're dating. He says, you and I are not dating. Hmm. And we really weren't. We were, we were hooking up and fucking and that was it. Yeah. I first hooked up in Las Vegas, but that's a whole other story anyway. Because that's a long, that's taking the story somewhere else. But my point is, is that I was waiting to love somebody. Because Matt had already moved on with his life, and he be, he was becoming a bartender. And he, Matthew, my Matthew, was um, never smoked. Two beers got him drunk. Hmm. He was an iced tea, iced tea with lemon, too sweet and low kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was the drowning in cigarettes and um, drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels a day. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. A bottle. A bottle. Um, every time I would go to Vegas, Matt and I would see each other, um, and talk and talk and talk. And I'm like, I can't believe you're smoking. He's like, what else do you do in Vegas, Lisa? Come on. 
you told me they disgusted you, you know, all these things. And people over there were calling him Maddie. I'm like, what's this Maddie bullshit? Yeah. Your name's Matthew or Matt. It was never Matt. Hey, Maddie, what's this fucking, what the fuck are calling you Maddie for? I was, I don't know why I was really resentful towards his Vegas, his Vegas crowd. I didn't like. Like, who are you? You guys are fucking, you don't know any fucking clue who he is at all. Maybe that was the point. Yeah. This is not Maddie. Okay, you know what? This is Maddie. The guy that's smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and sucking down Jack Daniels. Yeah, that is Maddie. Because my Matthew never did any of that shit. He was into football. He loved eating. <laughs> Our five-star restaurant was Olive Garden. <laughs> you know, we went to Sizzler on the holidays. <laughs> so, I mean, cheesy bread all day long. You know, love cheesy bread from Sizzler. Um, and so I would gotten the call. I'll fast forward to getting the call when I was at the club. And Arthur called me and said that he was getting parole. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Patrick in SpongeBob when he shat that big Hershey's kiss. That's what it felt like for me. Like, wait, what? He said, I'm getting out, baby. And I'm like, I'm like seeing like were you two guys. You were conflicted. You were like, oh. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm dating two really hot dudes. I'm like, I don't think, what? Who's going to pick them up? Like, I'm so, you're going to have your parents pick you up? He goes, no, I want you to pick me up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, because um, my visits went down to once a month, if that, you know. Right. And uh, my parents had agreed to go and drive. I'm like, thank you. So it was myself, my mom, my dad, and baby girl. And Monkey was 13 at that time. And um, yeah, we went to pick him up, and he was the size of a beanpole. He really embraced yoga, but he was like, stopped eating because they really started serving fucked up food in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it taking him hours to order from the menus. He was so overwhelmed with menus. Um, he had his first free meal at Tootie's dinner. He was just like, wow. Um, and the first night, Danielle went to go sleep with my mom and dad, and it was um, Arthur and I at the house, my, my one-bedroom apartment. Danielle um, had her own bedroom, always had her own bedroom. I had made the living room into my bedroom with a, with a futon that I would put up as a couch later on in the day. And, you know, I shared my dresser in her room. But um, it was a small, like, high boy. Right. It was nothing. I had a little closet that I used. Um, it was a really bitchin' apartment. It was haunted, but again, that's another show. Um, and, um, um, yeah, I looked at him and I said, so, okay, uh, you're going to sleep here, and I'm going to go sleep in Danielle's room. And he's like, no, 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 I'd, I'd like for you to sleep here. And so... Yeah, I mean, the first night we did ended up sleeping in the same bed together. So it was confusing. I knew that I still had my relationships. I went off to go see them as well and kind of ended with both of them. And I remember just sitting there going, okay. And this is like within weeks. You You didn't seem happy. I wasn't at first. I wasn't. I was in shock. It's shock. It's fucking shock. Because here's this guy that had 25 years to life. 
Yeah. And it actually tacked on a couple more years because he had tried uh, breaking out of the prison. When... Uh, Earlier on. Yeah, when he, was, when he first went in. And um, it was, so it was 27 to life. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, man, I was having, and he, but he had to do the uh, sober living crap and halfway house crap and go through program and parole and all that stuff. And so he wasn't with me all the time. A few weeks had passed, and um, I was looking at my family, and I was just like, you know, I got to make this work. I have to try. My daughter was angrier. The smiles left her face. Mm-hmm. She was not happy he was home. She was not happy that it changed our program. Right. She loved him. But our whole lives changed. Everything changed. Um, we ended up moving into a town home right behind Claremont High School. Um, and I, was, I decided I was going to be the wife and mom. I had pretty much, my social life was pretty much on hi- hiatus. I stopped singing in music in bands and I stopped uh, hanging out with my friends at the press. I stopped the hip kitty. I stopped doing a lot of things that I was doing. Um, I remember this went right when you had uh, hooked me up with uh, um, uh, Neuro, Diana. Mm-hmm. The beautiful, is she Bosnian? She's, she, I'll never forget her. That was, she's, I'm so happy for her, by the way, going on Real Housewives. I am beyond. Yeah. That's my show. And yeah. I tell, I, met, I tell her all the time, I'm so happy. That is my show. I love those crazy ladies. But um, I remember her coming out in, in that Maleficent Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and she, you're my Claremont Rose. Because <laughs> like, I had mimicked the, the cocktail that she liked from, um, that rose place, that mm-hmm. dusty, some rose. Where was it? The from? stinking rose? The stinking Something rose. Like that, yeah. It was a Campari gin drink. It was a, it wasn't a Negroni, but it was like a, with Campari gin and orange or something. It was, she loved it. Um, that was around the time when you got to do the Oscar party. I did the Elton John Oscar party. You did all the cocktails and, and designed all the cocktails. Designed them. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And Elton John gave us that little concert and, and uh, I remember you gave me an extra invite and I went to give it to my husband and he didn't want to go. The fuck am I going to go to that for? And I was like, this is a great opportunity like for you to like just go dancing and be out with people and get out of this place, you know? Didn't go. So I ended up taking a Shanna. It was fine. It was, if it, anything, just being supportive of something that's big for you. That was a big deal. Yeah. You know, being the head mixologist for a big Oscar party in Hollywood. It was a big deal. It was. It was. You know, that's not something that, and at least in, in that world. Yeah. Know, that's a, that's like a big, that's a big thing. Yeah. You know? I remember I. You're on the news. Yeah, I was on the news with, uh, with Alex Michelson. Yep. It was great exposure. Um, it was so much fun. I thought, God, I want to do this all the time. Like, this is what I love doing. This yeah. is, I love this. I love creating cocktails for big freaking Hollywood parties like this. This is so fun, you know? Um, cause for me, it's just not hard to do. Yeah. I just love it, you know? And then meeting Wayne from the catering company and, 
his brilliant food and his talent is phenomenal. And um, I remember feeling just so heartbroken and so bad because I went to give the invitation to my best friend, Cassandra, mm-hmm. and um, I had to retract the invitation and give it to Shanna because Shanna actually helped me get fight to get my money back that was levied um, out of my bank account. And I just felt like I really owed her. And um, I felt bad that I hurt my best friend not taking her to that event because I know she would have loved it. Um, and that's what I mean by the guilt stuff. Like I always feel bad for certain things and certain Even things I do. probably understand. Yeah. I just, God, I just feel terrible. And yeah, so um, <clears throat> yeah, um, in that townhome, we made it work inside that townhome, but you know, again, Monkey was just not doing well. She was angry and all of that. Um, I tried making it work. We were happy, but it was like two buddies living together. Roommates. We weren't intimate. The intimacy went out the window. There was intimacy issues and it would be blamed on me. You put too much pressure on me. Come on. And I also started noticing I was becoming more of his mother mm. than a wife. What do you mean? Cooking. Oh. What's for dinner? Or, or if we wanted to go out and do things, it would be fun. He would come up with really great ideas, whether it be Big you Bear. You plan it, though. Or, or him. Or him. Either way, he wanted to, to go out and stuff. But it wasn't like husband and wife. It was like buddies. Hmm. Friends. And every day I would think, is it going to be today? Is it going to be today? Are you going to grab me and hold me and push me up against the wall today and make out with me and say, I can't believe our dreams have finally come true. Oh my God, I'm home. No. Right. Never did. It never happened. And it wasn't coming. And it wasn't coming. Look at him. He wants something. Care what you want? It's not about you. W A L K. Probably. Yeah. Hold on, buddy. Hold on. You're gonna hold on. Daddy talking to mama. So damn pretty. You're so pretty. Damn dog. I know. He's so pretty. You know why I only bring you for every other? It's because you stare at me for three hours. (laughs) It's much easier to just put you in the backyard and be like goodbye. Goodbye. See you in three and a half hours. See you in three and a half hours. See ya. I think he's, yeah, he's on. He's, he's so, look how cute he is. Go oh. away. You're ruining the story. People <laughs> are invested. They're not invested in you. It's true. Um, but. Um, you were just, you were hoping that it would just miraculously, something would click and it wouldn't. And I kept offering. Um, counseling or mm, something. You would never want it. Wouldn't do it. But in the meantime of me being so consumed with him, I didn't realize I was losing my kid because my kid started getting involved with some crazy stuff. And we went through a big thing with her and um, um, she ended up being hospitalized and we went through two and a half years of therapy for her with that. And um, at that time, during the hospital stay in the beginning, you know, it was at Chuck Hospital and um, we 
were sitting in the lunch area and he just looked at me and he goes, and his, his face would morph into like a realness, like. That was him. That was that the, the was shroud him. fell. The like shroud it was, fell. It was, and I looked at him and he goes. That scene when Palpatine becomes yes, Palpatine, you know. Yes. And you, you see oh his my God, face perfect. and you're like, oh. There you the are. smile's gone. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I can't do this. I go, what are you talking about? I can't do this with you anymore. I go, oh, you're making this about you. <laughs> Fuck you. Whatever you're feeling or whatever thoughts you're feeling right now, I don't care. I'm here for my daughter. Yeah. Next day, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, and he kept okay. crying into Danielle and kept crying over her and feeling guilty. And she's looking, I'm like, God. And then she felt bad. Then he, because he was carrying, he was carrying this enormous guilt. And I'm not defending him, but he does, he is in love with her kid. He does love our daughter. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's half him. It's half him. Um, but in, mean, in the meantime, I'm getting nothing from him. <laughs> and so, I mean, he'd give me like little hugs in the morning. Awkward, like stick hugs. Yeah, feet, foot play. Just enough to drinking, keep you. Drinking, lots of drinking. It seems like just enough to keep you like. Maybe, maybe. It's, maybe it's today. Maybe. And then, nope. Mm-hmm. And that's also emotional abuse. Yeah. He should have just been honest with me from the very beginning. This isn't going to work. This isn't working. You know. Sorry. You were having sex with these men, you know, whatever. And so I wish he just would have been honest with me. He had been telegraphing to you from the very, very beginning, though. Yeah. He was somewhat one foot went in and went to I also, let's face it, I got him that job. I got him his job. I got helped. I supported him during his education time when he was finishing his getting his bsba it was a perfect scenario where the fuck was he gonna go and it's i was hard when you're out when you yeah. have something like that you know yeah and then i didn't realize that he would always be worrying about people worrying about his past I, it just never dawned on me because right. i thought you know this is my community so it's, i mean it's a fair thing to be conscious about like yeah that, but do they know? You know, we say, do they know about me? Whenever we'd go in a social situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we went through all of that. And um, it got colder and colder and colder and colder and colder. And then things just started getting, suspe- I started being suspicious of things. And COVID hit. And you're stuck. Same place. And we're stuck in the same place. And we're getting along okay. I had a girlfriend. My I have a girlfriend. My best one of my other best friends, um, my Lindsay, and he would always openly flirt with her in front of me. But it was because he never emotionally developed. I think he still, when it comes to girls, he's still like a kid. Hmm. Hence me saying I was like his mother. I'm a replacement for his mom. And when Linz would come over, he openly would flirt with her and it would be in my face and I would just be like I was never angry with her because she didn't flirt back she's just kind of like oh um okay whatever (laughs) and uh you know I remember her telling me that one time when we were all pissed drunk playing cards or whatever and she left the house and I'm in this walk hey what's up she's like I don't want to say anything what what happened well no Harry just kind of looked at me and kind of blocked me in the corner and kind of said, I'm done being nice to you. And just, it 
freaked me out and I left. And I said, I am so sorry. So I don't even know where that came from. I've never heard my husband talk that way, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and he ended up apologizing to her. Um, whenever we were out in any type of situations with work, work good-looking women were there, he would openly flirt with him in front of me. He never wore his wedding ring, ever. So he would never... Only one time he did for, like, a present for me. For he would his, never wear your wedding ring. I always wear his mine. wedding ring. That's right. He would never wear his wedding ring. That was engraved on the end side forever, Lisa. And mine was engraved forever, you know. And so... And I copied those rings. I had those rings engraved... Because I was, and I should, I should have known the doom because I picked doing that the forever Lisa and forever Arthur on the inside because that's what forever Jen and forever Brad did inside their Cartiers when they got married. Brad Pitt and Jen. I was like, that should have been my tell all, tell all. It's not forever. <laughs> you should have been your, your, your. Yeah, yeah. It was already cursed. That's up. <laughs> cursed. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, I had gotten a call in the middle of the night one night and, um, it was around one o'clock in the morning and I go, this is weird. This is Rochelle. Now, mind you, Rochelle, um, is Matt's sister, Rochelle Sheffield. Mm. Um, two months prior to this phone call, I had gotten a uh, text message from Matthew. I was working at Chase's in Laverne and it said, Hey, what are the three words you thought I would never say? And I'm thinking, well, it's not I love you because he told me he loved me all the time. So I'm all, um, he goes, do you give up yet? And I go, yes. He says, I got married. Oh. And I was like, oh, my. I cried and I was happy for him. Mm -hmm. I go, I am so happy for you. I am so, so happy for you. Thank you, Lisa. We want to do a, a reception. I would love for you and your husband to come. Oh, my God. We would, I'll, I'll be there in a heartbeat. I'm so happy for you, Matthew. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. I said, Matthew, are you happy? And there was a long pause. Mm -hmm. And he said, are you? And I go, you know, he's a pain in the ass. But I, I guess I am. And he responded, mine is a pain in the ass, too. But yes, I'm happy. And I go, I'm so glad. That's all I want to know. That makes me so happy. So two months later, I get this phone call um, from Rochelle at one o'clock in the morning. It wasn't even a phone call. I'm sorry. It was a Facebook message. Hmm. And all it said was, yeah, Lisa, we had to let Matt go. And I go, what? What? And um, Arthur goes, what's going on? I go, Nothing. I, I got I to gotta figure out what's going on here. And I go, what? And she didn't answer. And I panicked and I called her because Facebook, you can call. Mm -hmm. You know, so I had yeah, the phone. Yeah, yeah. She goes, hello. I go, what do you mean you let Matt, let Matt go? She says, Lisa, Matt, Matthew died. We had, we had to let him go. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. It was like, my whole life months, just only months later passed. I, I just saw everything of our lives, everything replayed like in fast forward. Mm -hmm. 
All I see is his face. I had seen him two years prior at his dad's funeral. His dad ended up dying. Hmm. And he was very heartbroken about that. He never got over that. He carried the guilt of moving to Vegas and leaving his dad behind because he, Matthew grew up in Chino. His dad was born in the house that he lived in. You know, like that was that family heirloom house. And um, Matt left and he always felt carried that guilt and his dad told him, no, you, you did the right thing. You stay there and whatever. Yeah. But um, it turns out that Matt was in the hospital like six weeks after he got married, mm. he was admitted and he was dying. He killed his liver. Oh, yeah. And um, it just could not register to me. It couldn't. It just could not register. I could not believe it. And it was during the weekend of my honeymoon. And um, I did my honeymoon in Big Bear. And I looked at Arthur and I said, listen, I'm driving to Vegas on Monday. I have to do this. I'm an asshole if I don't go to Matthew's funeral. I have to go. He said, okay. And um, I went. And um, it was just unreal. And so it was so funny. It was a packed house of Las Vegas people. Matt was so happy that he um, started working for Caesars and he was running O'Shea's at the link. And um, he was he, he was like, I'm afraid you thought I sold out to because I'm wearing a suit and tie. And I'm like, I'm so happy you're wearing a suit and tie. And this is just through messages over the years and stuff. And, um, and um, they were playing the video on the screen. And uh, there was us, pictures of us when we were together. And I was just like, wow. And finally, when his sister got up there to speak, it was really, really beautiful. And she says, I see you, Lisa. And uh, that was it. I was like, Wee! you know. So um, um, and I ended up partying with all of Matt's friends that hung around us when we were together. Wayne and Kenny and Tim and um, Tim's brother. And we it was so awesome to hang out with them. And I felt like Matt was there with us. And they're, they're, the, they're the same. Wayne is a lawyer. He was in a suit. That was funny. Weird to see him like that, you know. But Kenny's still the same. And Tim's a prison guard. And <clears throat> it was it was awesome. And um, Matt's um, wife came up to me during the ceremony, <clears throat> and she says, "Oh, you know." They never forget their first love. And I just thought that was the, the way she looked at me. It was kind of bizarre. And I was just like, a little bit like, and it turns out he has a book that he saved mm. and it's all, it's us. Mm. It's all of our pictures. All of it's in this book. And she said she was going to give it to me and I never got it. I never got that book. I know it's somewhere. And um, 
I would love to have that book. You know, it's just, it was huge. The 90s were huge for us. Everything grunge, everything Nirvana, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Tool, uh, Rage Against the Machine, all of that shit, man. That's us. That's us. All of that. Um, and so that uh, hit me really, really hard. It also made me kind of reflect on my life. But again, fast forward. COVID hits. And yeah, so we, we made it work. Things were growing. We did buy a house. We bought a house. And um, we never had sex in this house, ever. You would think that a married couple would be so excited. Let's break it in, honey. Nothing. Um, he was on the phone with his brother one night, and I was ir- irritated. And he was talking to his brother, and his brother is a, is a narcissist as well, and real sarcastic, and his humor is really like, you know, just sarcasm. Acerbic. Mm-hmm. And Arthur was on the phone with him, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, can you believe it? Yeah, I know, man. And he's talking on the phone. and This was Arthur talking to his brother. brother. And I'm sitting in the living room, and TV's on. I'm hearing him be smart-ass on the phone, looking yeah, over at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, can you believe it? Yeah, she graduated, talking about her daughter. Any stupid N-word, and he looked right at me. Oh, fuck. In my eyes. Any stupid N-word can graduate from high school. And the way he said that, I lost. All of a sudden, that little high pitch, that little high pitch that I got when I dropped my basket with Piggy when I was 19, it returned. Oh my God. There it was. That I, I got up. I went. <gasps> How could he say that about his daughter? And he's on the phone with his brother. And he's like, uh-oh, I did something wrong. <sighs> and I went into the bathroom and I shut the door. And I just breathed. I'm okay, girl. <sighs> breathe. <sighs> you know. And I, like, I washed my hands. Okay. Fuck this. And I opened up that bathroom door and I stormed back into that bar room and I said, get off that fucking phone. And he said, I gotta go. And I can't tell you everything that I said. I screamed at the highest. I was screaming so loud. You don't know what I you said. I don't know what You're I said. so angry. Yeah. Screaming, ripping my vocal cords. My daughter's in the house. She's in the bedroom. She's got her AirPods in her ears. <laughs> this will do much for right. loud noise. Right. Screaming. And, um. Oh, my God. How could you say that? How could you talk to yeah. me in my own house, in my house, in my, under my own roof, say these things to me? You don't touch me. You don't fuck me. You don't do anything with me. You don't, you know, I cook for you. I do everything for you. And you make me feel fat and ugly, you make me feel less than who I am, you, you know, um, everything just came out, you make me feel this, you make me feel that, this is what you've done to me, and how could you do, you motherfucker, asshole, and he's looking at me, okay, whatever, 
And I was like, you know what? You can call me a stupid N-word. You could say that. But at least I'm not a fucking murderer. And he looked at me and I just stormed out of there and went into my room, slammed the door and just tried to breathe, tried to calm down. Next day comes. He goes to work. Danielle was texting Lindsay and she said, my mom's really upset. I get a text from Lindsay. Do you need me to come over? No. Next day happens and I, Danielle goes to work. She got a job up the street at a sandwich shop. My phone was broken. I think I threw it. I don't remember. It was broken. But I had a, a laptop. I took the laptop. I packed a bag. And I left for Laguna Beach for a year, for a year, for a week, for a year, I wish. Um, first, though, I went to pick up Monkey. And she was like, you okay, Mom? I'm like, yeah, baby girl, Mom's going to go away for a week. She says, I think that's a good idea, Mom. Go to the beach. She already knew I was going to go. She knows that Laguna is my getaway. And I said, that's where I'm going to go when I get to the hotel because Mommy's phone's broken. I'm going to message you on your email through the laptop. You can call me in the hotel. Okay. I drop her off. I leave. And I stayed for a week at uh, Calle del Camino. Or no... Del Camino, something Camino. It's got a restaurant. I, I keep calling it Calle del Camino. It's Camino something, and it's it's in on, off Crest and uh, Pacific Coast, South Coast Highway. Um, and I stayed there for a week. And my my bestie came out to see me. My Cassandra came out to see me, and I would get up in the morning. I'd walk down the beach. I'd sit on the beach. I'd reflect, and I knew right then and there that my life was not going to be the same. I knew that this marriage was going to end. I knew that my life would forever change, and it did. I started reflecting on my life. I started thinking about my life and with him and all the years that I spent through the years visiting him in prison and thinking about the letters and the, the hello, dear my hello, my delicious wife, my gorgeous and delicious wife. I love you, I love you, just the love bombing. and There's a part of me that wants to believe that he loved me, that he really did love me. But a really big part of me realizes that he was after my, he was, he was just happy that somebody in the free world was out there to see him. Yeah. I was a taste of the freedom that he desired. In fact, I want to say that probably is a true statement for most incarcerated men who get women to visit them in prison you're their taste of freedom especially if you're not bringing them shit I never I didn't bring Arthur shit there were girls that did that there were girls that brought things to their men that they shouldn't have that were illegal but they did it because their man wouldn't get killed or it would money they would they would earn the money to go visit again, right. to keep that cycle going to where they can keep visiting because they were making money off of what they were bringing to their men. But the prison guards bring shit in too. I saw that shit. 
I saw all that stuff. Um, no, they want your spirit. They want the taste of your freedom. They want the taste of that. They want to be able to say, I am still a part of this planet. I'm still a part of the world. I'm still a part of freedom, even though I'm in here. They want your soul. There's nothing more. There's not a drug. There's not money. There's nothing more precious than that. When you have everything taken away from you and you're stuck in an eight by nine. Um, so when I went back, he was not welcoming to me at all. He'd repainted the dining room. I told him that I wanted things to work. I, I tried one more time. I wanted counseling. I'm <laughs> You're crazy. And um, he turned it into making it about him. Instead of, what, what can I do to help my wife? To help us, to help my family. He didn't care. He didn't care. He bought a truck, brand new truck, $500 payment a month, didn't consult with me. He bought a Harley, came home to that, didn't consult with me. I was just like, what are you doing, you know? Um, I found out, I found him looking at other women online. Um, his phone went off. The, the notifications were coming on the phone. I never got any of his passwords to anything. I saw that he was on dating apps, so I created a fake dating. I created a bot. I created a catfish, yeah. and I catfished him very successfully, very easily. You said before you were a snooper. I was a, snoo- I'm a snooper. I'm really good at it. And I used a person's face that I knew he would be attracted to because she kind of looks like a, a sibling or a cousin. She looks like a, a member of his family. And that's a whole bunch of worms we don't want to open up. I know. <laughs> but, you know, people are sometimes attracted to familiarity. People I that kind of... This is your cousin's cousin's sister's cousin's and sister's cousin's yeah. sister's uh-uh. cousin's husband. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> so... <Not me. laughs> Yeah. I need a different skin shade and absolutely no, <laughs> I, I see people Look at that. Eddie Van Halen and Valley Bertinelli. That. They look Pe- like. People do that. They, there's there's uh, uh, gay couples, especially. I see a lot. There's there's even dog look, owners who look like they're dogs in cars. Or, they look it's weird. the same. Yeah. It's like they're dating their sibling. It's weird to me. It's, I you know, look, hey, if you actually, but there's something a little off about that. Yeah. Being into, especially the same sex, the same couple, like the same gender. Yeah. Um, being. They like, look like siblings. It's like you're, but it's like you're looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. That's weird to me. Yeah. And I don't, it, it's, I don't want to be, you know, I don't care. Not, it's, it's weird yeah. to me. Yeah. When well, I see a, a, a blonde white guy with a blonde white guy and they both have the same nose and the same eyes color and the same, or the same thing with anyone else, any other type of, of, of but it's like it, it, when they're like this. They look like they're looking in a mirror. That's weird to me. It, yeah. it makes me think there's something that you're searching for that's yourself. And that's a big red flag to me. Yeah. And because I got two types. I, I like men who look like Superman. I'm attracted to, thank you. I'm attracted to nerds. Like, and then when they shut that door, they take off that shit. Clark Kent. <laughs> yes. I want Clark Kent. I mean, oof. 
And then they take that off and they're this strong man and just, oh. And then I'm also attracted to my, my Grizzly Adams, my bearded chopping wood. I can split this wood with one swing of this axe and yeah. I just, I'm my protector. I'm always attracted to, that's why I'm attracted to men that are really, really tall and big because yeah. I feel like I'm protected with them. I'm not attracted to men that are my height. You seem like you've always been searching for that. Yeah. And you had to kind of realize it's, it's yourself that needs to protect yourself. Not, yeah. not them. Not them. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. So I ended up catching him and, and uh, he was easy. And he was shocked when I did catch him. And I ended up finding other things that I had no idea that he was doing. And shocking things. I won't go into gory detail. But um, Tyler, I had been walking around with the weight of Jericho on my back just this wall of Jericho on my back filled with guilt filled with shame all the men all the sex the abortions the drugs when I found all that stuff. I'm not kidding. I'm, I've literally felt it. When I found what I found and saw what I saw, including the pills of, <laughs> this is the other thing, the wall of Jericho li- crumbled. It literally crumbled off me and I stood straight up. I haven't stood straight up in a long time. It was like, I felt, I felt like I lost 55,000 pounds. I thought, I felt, I finally felt like I was a size two. When I had found his, him hiding Viagra pills in, in a potassium bottle in the bathroom because I'm a snoop, I'd finally taken the medication. I looked on the bottom and I went, that doesn't match. And I took a picture of it. God bless. Image search. Oh, shit. I go, motherfucker. When I was trying to, I thought maybe somewhere in him, the, maybe he had ED. I don't know. I don't know. We don't do it. So I had suggested getting assistance. My dick works just fine. So what do you think? It's me. He's not attracted to me. He made me feel less than who I am. In fact, from the day he came home, he made me feel less than who I am. So, we are now divorced. It's been a battle. It was an unbelievable battle. I won't go into great details of that. But now he's flipped, and now we are amicable to each other. We are talking. We're fine. I've come to a place. I left 
the house. I packed all my shit. And my bestie, Cassandra, Cassandra Scardino, and her beautiful husband paid these hot gentlemen's movers from Russia, came to my home, and I only took what I love. And I wanted to take, well, number one was my daughter, but my daughter had to talk. Monkey sat me down and said, Mom, I'm going to stay with Dad because you have friends. He has no one. She felt so bad for him. And I'm not going to tell her. I didn't tell her the things. I didn't tell her anything. Yet. I didn't end up telling her in a rage and she looked confused. I didn't tell her the gory details. Because I was frustrated that she wasn't coming with me. And she was like, Mom, he's by himself. He's going to be alone. And that was true. Um, but yeah, so she is going to be moving in with me and, um, you know, we're still battling with the house stuff, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's been one hell of a ride with this man and, um, it's not the end of my story. Um, I want him to live a good life. I want him to be happy until he gets therapy on his own he will never never be okay with a person with a woman ever with what i know he'll never be okay with and the only way he'll be okay is if he just settles with just being on his own with his dog and with our dog and you know um but no but he is a good he's a he's a good dad i know that he's trying to find himself he's he's 53 years old man and um, he's holding up really well, but I have no, I will never, I know that some of my friends were concerned if I would ever return to him. Fuck no. And the reason is because why would I, why would I turn, return to any, any, I was dying every single day. Every little day, that spirit that he wanted from me, from being free, yeah. he just chipped away at it and chipped and chipped. And um, I love him. I'll always love him. I really love him. Um, but I loved crystal meth too you know what I'm saying yeah. I loved cocaine I love I love eating chocolate cake and donuts every single day yeah can't do it it will always be it will always be crystal meth it'll always be cocaine it'll always be chocolate cake it'll always be donuts yeah. it'll they don't change right right he is who he is He'll always be that person. And I deserve more. And I know that. And I am dating somebody that is completely different from I've ever dated before. I don't know if it's going anywhere. Um, 
it's still in the early stages. He's fun. He's he's sweet. Um, super nerd. But um, and I also have uh, Hector visiting me again. <laughs> I'm just like, really, you're doing this now, <laughs> you know? But who was Hector? Hector was my boyfriend that was in between Psycho Cyrus and Matthew Gregg. He and was Hector's the, name the we, bouncer. We on? Mm-hmm. Is Hector the name we settled on? What Zelda? <laughs> is that the name, the nickname? No, Hector's a real, a real name. Okay. Hector's great. We can say Hector. We can say Hector. Okay. So the some of these names have been altered. <laughs> Cyrus. And I'm just making sure that Arthur. That we're all on the same. Right. There's, there's several. <laughs> so Mary. We went through a few of them, but I'll, I'll make sure some of them are. Darla, Dartha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are all. Those are all uh, fictitious names, but um, um. Um, no, Matthew's Matthew Craig Sheffield is a real name, and I want the world to know that he was a wonderful human being, an incredible person who should have been a father, mm-hmm. who should have had children. He would have been a great dad. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I'm just trying to figure out my way. Where I'm, I, I, I'm tired. I will say I'm tired. I'm motivated again. I'm back working out and paying attention to me, but I'm doing it for me. I have a page now on Instagram that I created um, that I want to inspire other women that are, or anybody that's going through things where they are not healthy and they're using food and alcohol or drugs or anything and they're, they need to use healthier outlets and you know, this journey that I'm on right now is for me. It's not because I want to look good for a high school reunion or look right, good for this right, guy right. or look good for this show. I'm doing it for me because I want to, <clears throat> I want to feel good. I want to feel great. I don't want to feel good. I want to feel fucking awesome. I want to be fuck. Yeah. That's all, you know? And, um, I also don't want to ever, the bad habit that I know that I've had my whole life, Tyler, is that I've always, um, put men in front of me as an obstacle. I used to want to be an actress. I wanted to be in movies. I wanted to be all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And I kept putting men in front of me. The attention from men. Yeah. Trying to find my real dad, maybe. I don't know. I love my stepdad. He's great. He's my dad. You know. But I, it's just still this... I keep, I keep putting roadblocks in front of my goals and things that I want to do. And I want to make sure I'm not doing that now with who I'm dating now or who I'm going to date tomorrow. I mean, I don't, you know, right. <laughs> so, um, but I feel good. I feel smart. I feel stronger than I've ever felt before in my life. So far, 50 suck because it started during the pandemic, yeah. you know, and I caught that shit a few weeks ago for the first time. And I'm um, glad it's over with. I am fully juiced and vaccinated. Thank you very much. And um, I know it would have been a lot worse if I wasn't. And um, now it's just Lisa finding Lisa and um, figuring out where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. And I have a cute little apartment I have with my dog and my cat. And... Um, 
yeah, every now and then, you know, I speak with, with Arthur and, um, it's just, it's, there's, there's no more anger anymore. I'm not angry anymore. I was really broken hearted and angry, devastated. I went through all that and I came out alive. I feel like Andrew Dufresne, when he's through that, that sewer and the rain's coming down on him, you know, he crawled through five football fields, through the most unimaginable shit. You know, that's, yeah. that's what it feels like. And I made it out on the other side. And I will say, you know, at my age, 51 years old, level 51, which is so bizarre to say out, out loud, because I'm a kid. I'm still that kid. I'm still 19. I'm still 20. I'm still, but I have my brain. And if I could go back in time, I'd go back in time. I'd, I'd go back and do it all. I mean, I would, if I, as long as I was guaranteed to have my kid <laughs> without him, somehow a miracle just drop her in my lap. But I would, I'd like to go back to just being a little girl again and just starting all over with my brain. Can you imagine a five-year-old with my brain? I, I, would, I would go to my Uncle Bernie and I'd rip his dick off and stuff it in his face. <laughs> right? I mean... I would punch him in the dick, actually. It's, I would punch him in the dick. And I would started. scream, rapist, you know, like something, yeah. you know. I mean, just, that's just something that is, it's, it's I guess it's more common than, than we'd like to think, you know. And yeah. it sets you on a lifetime of, of struggle. Yeah. That, that, that damage, the emotional damage and the, you know, it's not so much a physical damage as it is an emotional, psychological damage. Yep. Oh yeah, but you've come through it. I come through it, and I have do have. I will say I have a ton of great memories. And again, being a Generation X, the life that we lived. I mean, man, it's incredible. And um, the fashion, the music, music is a huge trigger and influence and memory. And one day I will sit down and write down a memoir of all of this stuff to really, you know, share not just my story, but the, that the story of the 70s going into the 80s and what it was like being a half-breed ch- child who looks 100% Caucasian, yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm Latina. So it's like... And then growing up with hip-hop culture and watching disco change and my dad being a Led Zeppelin... You know, my dad's Led Zeppelin... My stepdad, you know, he's Led Zeppelin, Beatles, Kinks, and my mom is... Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and Barry White and um, um, Hector Lavoe and Willie Colon and you know all of this. So it's like two different planets of me growing up in that in the 80s and everything that I've seen and all the stuff I've done. I used to be on the Richard Simmons show when I was 10 years old. Yeah, with my mom. You know, it was like he was good friends with my mom too. Yeah, so you know I've done all all sorts of fun things in my life. I'm grateful for surviving insane, abusive situations. But I will say, if there is anybody that's listening to this that just happened to meet somebody who's incarcerated and is even thinking of beginning any type of relationship with them, do not do it because your life you deserve to be free 
Don't ever, don't even think about it. Wait till they get out. And if they're never getting out, wish them all the best and live your life. Live your fucking life. There's so much to see in the world and you deserve to see it and experience it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming and sharing that. <laughs> Ooh, I hope I got it all it's in. Extraordinary. You know? <laughs> thank you. So I, tell everyone how to find you. Oh my gosh. You can find me. Um, I will be go- going as, you know, Lisa have you, but you know, um, just put in shaken with Lisa on Instagram, gypsy Lisa on Twitter. Shaken with Lisa is S H A K I N W I T H Lisa. All one word. I'll tag you in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then this time for me is, uh, you know, you'll tag me on that one too. I just launched that actually today and it's growing. Um, where I'm just sharing true videos, taking you on my journey of, 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 not just weight loss, but just overall mental health, physical health, everything that um, women should and men um, want to express and feel and experience. But yeah, showing recipes and food ideas and all of that. So, but yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. No, thank you. This is should, this is going to take off. This is going to be <laughs> well, fantastic. That's the thing. I'm like, we're talking to about 100 people right now. I but know. Maybe down the road. But that 100 people is going to be okay. like, man, you know. It's well, gonna... I just wanted to, I wanted to, like, stories like that and have you tell your, your story and capture who you are. And if 10 people see it, then great. If 10 million people see it, then great. But I'm not. It's just for, to do it. Yeah. So, that's it. And that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's great. And, you know, it's a, everyone has a podcast now. What? I know. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> weird if you didn't. I know. Enough. I got to. Shit, I should start my own podcast. I've still been telling everyone. I'm like, you know, it's more of an interview. I don't talk a ton. Yeah. Some of them I do more if they're friends that, that, that we're just kind of hanging out. But yeah. yours is more of a story. Yeah. You know, so I have, have more. I've had about half and half. And some are more, I'm just kind of along for the ride. And some. I'm more, we're just joking around, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fun opportunity to hear different people and things and something different. Hopefully I don't, something that I would like to listen to. If I yeah. Was, that's, that's really what it is for me. Yeah. Something that, I mean, there's, there's plenty of things that I love to listen to, but if, if, you know, I'm trying to make something that I would want to listen to and then if nobody else agrees, then that's fine. Well, I think this is great and I think it's going to take off and, and I, 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 I think as long as you, because you, you're picking the right people, you know, yeah. I, and I think once you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, you know, it's just, it's, I'm, it's people that like I, when I talk to and I'm able to carry a conversation with them longer than, you know, you know, when you meet people and you're, you're talking to them for whether it's at a party or yeah. passing or wherever, you know, there's someone with something interesting. Yeah. Um, some people, it's hard to make small talk, but some people, they just, you could just talk to them for hours, which we did. I know I'm that's gonna, us. I'm, I'm probably going to break this into part one and two because then we can have two weeks of it. But that would be so cool. Um, <laughs> That'd be yeah, awesome. I mean, ultimately, that's that's just the story. So yeah, and, and the next people that I hear, it'll be something completely different, and it's fun for me. You know, yeah, something hopefully that's fun to the listener, and it's something completely different each time. And we'll see how long that lasts. But you know, yeah, 
it's it's inevitable. I've I've kind of not nailed down at least the the format because I've gone through some different trials of how to do it. You know, do I do three cameras, two cameras? Do I do with you know how do I light it? How do I? And I finally and you put these together. Mm-hmm. I put them together. And these will be it. together. And, wow. And finally, this finally came. Everything's been on back order because of the pandemic and everything. A lot of the the, the lighting equipments. Um, it's really specific, so they're very small companies. They don't do so a lot, cool. and so yeah. I finally got this set up and got the proper thing, so that because everyone else was so sharp, and then I had a situation where my lens it was a photo lens that wasn't really focusing properly on for long. Some for some reason, on like a long interview, oh. it would just lose its focus, and then it, it would be catching on something else. And I'm sitting here, and it's going. And so everybody else that I was talking to was sharp, and then mine it was kind of. Eh. Yeah. So I was like, you know. I need to get this kind of finalized. So this is the first time I think this is more like a standardized thing that I want to do and and um, how I want it to look and everything. So, you know, for now, this is a good uh, a good way to get yourself out there. I think so. So tell everybody, see you later. See you later, alligator. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back another time. Right. Yes, you will. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>